The biggest failure, obviously, is not starting sooner, right? Uh, imagine a, a year if I would start the newspaper back then. Even if it sucked, you know, I would have mm -hmm. understood the whole process better. Uh, I would have had a lot of feedback by then. Who knows how many like followers I would have or subscribers I would have. Um, so definitely just not, not start soon enough, right? There, uh, I think that's the biggest problem with that. Like that might be everyone's biggest failure. Hello, and welcome to Talks with Sarah No Socks, a podcast about failure and how it's leading us to success. Each week, I sit down on Mondays and share my weekly failures with you, and I'm joined on Fridays with a special guest who's sharing their own story of failure and how that's led to their current success. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's show. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Talks with Sarah No Socks. This week I am joined by Patrick, who by day is getting his MBA at Wharton, but at night is on the self-proclaimed journey of becoming a lifestyle entrepreneur, which he describes as an endeavor to create businesses for time, freedom, flexibility, autonomy, and fun. He has quite an interesting past life, though, as a uh, tech consultant for Fortune 100 companies. So I'm really excited to talk with him, how he made that transition, what's happening while he's getting his MBA, and all of the cool things that he's up to as he's moving into the more creative side. So thank you so much for joining me today, Patrick. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about it. Yeah. So, uh, I gave super brief intro there, but I would love to hear from you a bit more about your background and kind of how you've made this transition and where you're at now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, I'm originally for, from Bolivia, born and raised there, uh, lived there for 18 years before moving to the US for college. Uh, my stepdad's American and I went to an American school down there. So like pretty easy transition, but um, yeah, I didn't, uh, you know, studied at University of Maryland, got my degree in finance, was on that whole um, corporate road, um, got like the dream job I wanted out of college there, was working with uh, Deloitte uh, as a consultant, you know, the whole glamour of of the travel and expenses and meeting with like important people, um, working on different projects, so that was exciting. And then, uh, yeah, now, now I'm doing my MBA because uh, I, I, you know, doing the job, I was, it was it was fun and it was exciting and I was learning a lot, but you know, I could tell that this was not, or being a consultant was not what I was going to do with my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, so I wanted to take the good pursuit MBA, um, you know, just try to like broaden myself and take a couple of years to uh, take a break from the grind. Yeah, <laughs> at the end, the uh, traditional MBA is, is a vacation for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, You'd, I mean, you have to go to school and all that, and there's a lot of work, but um, a lot of it is just like, you know, meeting people and, and taking a break and not working as hard. Um, but I also wanted to, you know, take a crack at entrepreneurship. Um, you know, growing up, like uh, all my friends and my, and my stepdad and all that, who, you know, really had like a great life, it seemed. We're all entrepreneurs or they all own their own businesses. Um, and I knew that's like, uh, that was something I was gonna have to do eventually. So I thought, but best time to do is now while I'm within a safety blanket of the school. Mm -hmm. um, but I realized, uh, you know, there's, I was pretty disappointed with all like the entrepreneurship curriculum here at the school. Um, you know, they have a bunch of classes with very impressive people and they bring in uh, impressive entrepreneurs to, t to give talks and all that. But, you know, most of the classes for entrepreneurship, they all just teach you how to make a pitch deck <laughs> for, mm -hmm. for venture capital. And 
Um, I got really good at making pitch decks now, <laughs> but you know, I, uh, I, I do have sort of like a, uh, yeah, the school wasn't teaching me like, you know, how do you start, a, what does it actually look like to start a business? Like what, what, how do you incorporate as an LLC? You know, what are the first steps you do? Um, how do you, how are you an entrepreneur? Um, and so that's what I'm trying to do now with, um, like my newsletter and I'm, uh, you know, looking forward to taking, you know, this crack at like the creative creator's life, uh, because, you know, I want to share that information. I want to make it easy for other people to understand how to start businesses um, without, uh, you know, having to go for an MBA or having to make a lot of mistakes um, because, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of trash out there, I feel, <laughs> um, a lot of hacky gurus and stuff um, mm -hmm. that don't really, at the end of the day, they're also not teaching you how to actually get a business open, up and running. So uh, that's that's what I want to do. I want to be uh, use my creativity, um, you know, create a brand for myself where I'm just sharing um, the knowledge that people need for to start businesses themselves and, and how to enjoy the process and um, and yeah get out of this like corporate ladder rat race that I feel like so many people are in yeah that's great I love how much you shared there there's so much to unpack I find it really interesting I have my MBA certainly not from Wharton but I found the same thing I loved my entrepreneurship class and it was great at writing a business plan. Um, I got my MBA quite a while ago, so it wasn't pitch decks involved. But um, yeah, and then when I got into this life of entrepreneurship, I had no idea what I was doing. I'm like, how could this be? I have an MBA. I took an entrepreneurship class. How do I feel like a, a fish out of water and have no idea what to actually do? So I'm really excited that you saw that and are looking to fill that need because I, it is true. And there is a lot of misinformation on the internet. There's a lot of telling people what they want to hear and not giving them specific actions and steps. Mm -hmm. um, just as you said, a lot of kind of guru chatter, which is a big pet peeve of mine as well. Um, <laughs> I just get really frustrated with that. Um, but really interesting. So why did you decide to go get your MBA? Why was that kind of the next step for you? Were you hoping to then move back into corporate and made this decision to be more creative during your MBA process? Yes, it's a good question because, you know, as part of the application process, you really, an MBA application really makes you think about your life. <laughs> yes. it's, good, it's good activity for retrospection because they ask you, you know, what are your life goals? What do you want to accomplish? Mm -hmm. uh, and I was in a, in a program where they had like a couple coaches for us where like they would help review our essays. Um, it's called Management Leaders for Tomorrow. And the I remember telling them, I was like, okay, I want to go get my MBA so I can try entrepreneurship. Uh, you know, like uh, I, I have sponsorship through Deloitte. So that means if I go return to Deloitte um, after my MBA for two years, they're, they'll pay off my student debt, which mm -hmm. is a big, uh, big win. But um, but I remember like talking with these coaches, I was like, Hey, I want to be an entrepreneur. Like I want to go to school, like start a business, do all this. And they told me, they're like, you can't say that. <laughs> they're like, that's what they want to hear. Like, uh, you know, they want to hear that you're going to have a safe job, um, afterwards, like a high paying one, um, mm -hmm. through the school. So like I had to tailor my application towards, towards that, you know, so I was, my story was like, I'll go back to Deloitte. I'll, you know, move the, move up the ranks. I will join another large company or tech company and be mm -hmm. some sweet executive. And, um, and that was a safe story and it worked. I got pretty much in like, you know, I got into my, my dream school and all that. So, mm -hmm. 
but yeah, no, but I, from the beginning, I was like, I want to get a uh, entrepreneurship. I think, you know, MBA is a great time to stop working and put you in this environment where you have so many people, uh, mm-hmm. smart people and all the professors and, you know, all these schools really boast about their entrepreneurship programs. Yeah. Um, and um, so that's what I want to do. Um, that's why I want to get an MBA, MBA. And that's what I'm doing now. I'm working on a on a startup uh, with a classmate called Welltrip. Um, it's basically, you know, Airbnb meets ZocDoc, uh, trying to connect, uh, mm-hmm. you know, medical patients here in the U.S. with mm-hmm. uh, doctors like in Colombia. Yeah. Uh, the procedures, elective procedures are a lot cheaper and they're mm-hmm. the same in America. Like I, I, you know, go to Bolivia to get my teeth done because uh, it's a fraction of the price and it's mm-hmm. just as good. And, yep. and so you know, bringing that opportunity to other people. So, but, I, you know, for, for that startup, all the classes, all the teachers want me to create a pitch deck for it. They want me to um, pitch to VCs, mm-hmm. uh, raise funding. Um, when I was like, we don't even have an LLC or we're not even incorporated. Like, right. <laughs> start pitching these uh, until that happened so um we'd have to me and my co-founder i really had to learn that uh, by ourselves and through our own resources um and, and yeah i i think other people can have kind of skip that step of doing it yourself and making mistakes so i uh, want to help out there yeah very interesting so you are still going to go down the vc route though even though you're kind of in this like indie hacking no code space <laughs> you are you splitting that time equally or are you trying to use some of the no code tools to help you build out this product or talk about that a little bit yeah so no that I, while the classes may want me to do the vc thing my co-founder and i agree that we don't want to take vc funding we want to bootstrap this yeah um, and that's what kind of drew me into the no code um mm-hmm. uh, world uh where you know, we're, you know, I found there's just tools on the, on the internet that like, without knowing how to code, I'm not like a code guy. You know, I was a tech consultant, but I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but I could really create a marketplace, you know, like a, a copy of Uber, mm-hmm. like with, and they show, there's tutorials on how to do that. And there's use cases, like there's uh, examples of how they, of how they've done different marketplaces. And I was like, damn, like I can do this. We can do this whole marketplace for, for this medical trial ourselves. We don't need to yeah. get, you know, a CTO and, look around for the classic, you know, look for a coder. Right. Um, so no code is really at the base of, of our strategy. Um, we think it's a very bit lucrative business model because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, all our costs are going to be the no code tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Marketing and whatnot, but like really depend on, on the no code tools, I think for, to start it up, to have a, an MVP out and, mm-hmm. and really get our first patients in. Very cool. This is super interesting. So it's going to be global or are you guys picking just one specific market to start with? Very interested yeah. in this. <laughs> yeah. So starting small, we just want to work on bringing patients in, in Florida down okay. to Columbia. Um, okay. We understand those those markets both on the supply side and the uh, and the customer side very well. Um, you know, it's the less, uh, it's the least amount of uh, barriers to entry for patients that live in Florida. It's a, it's a shortest flight. Um, mm-hmm. It's a market that's already doing this, so uh, definitely focusing there. And you know, the aspirations would be to eventually have a global platform um, where pe- there's doctors everywhere and whatnot. But definitely starting small um, and uh, just focusing on one initial market. You know, a, a niche, if you will, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, always a good way to start. It's very interesting. I know I have a healthcare background, so I'm always interested when folks uh, are doing things in the healthcare space and looking at other markets outside of the U.S. Because I agree, there's a lot of really top-notch medical quality around the world that is much cheaper <laughs> than here. Um, 
and I know there's some companies that even their insurance will pay for procedures to be done in other countries. So I think it's uh, definitely very cool, very cool model you've got working there. So good luck to that. Um, yeah. yeah, so you you have a co-founder that you met kind of in school. Are you looking at doing other things along with this or are you focusing on, I know you just started a newsletter. Right, yep. I, um, you know, I, I think uh, I want to create, I've, I've, everything I've heard about the creator economy, you know, like you just have to start now. Uh, mm-hmm. Even if it's, if it's a stretch, you know, the, the success compounds over time. You need to dedicate yourself a couple of years to find any level of success in it. So, right. um, you know, I thought, why not start now? Um, because it is complimentary in the sense of, you know, the newsletter, I have uh, my ideas to share a tool, uh, like a no-code tool or something, or uh, something to help you start your business, uh, a system, whether it's uh, talking about a business model or uh, a productivity system for, for you to, like, implement uh, a no-code tool or something. And then also mindset where it's like, okay, like, you know, how do you change your identity to become an entrepreneur, right? Because a lot of people don't think they can be. So, like, there's definitely, like, a, a mindset uh, that needs uh, to be adopted as well. Um, but, you know, like I'm discovering the tools as I'm working on Welltrip. So uh, it, it's not like a, it's not, it's definitely time consuming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we already, everyone has so many things going on. So I, I think that's going to be my biggest challenge. Um, but I think it's complimentary. I'm learning, uh, I'm learning so much by working on this. I, I think it'd be harder to look back in the future, like a year or two from now and be like, okay, what, what are all the tools I use for this? Versus, you know, um, oh, like I used, uh, you know, a card uh, to build my landing page. I can just put that in the newsletter this week, you know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I think that's really smart. A lot of people, I, I just recently got in the newsletter game as well. I've always been a big person blogging and tweeting and things, but I haven't really formalized a newsletter until recently. And I do the same, right? You kind of just formalize all your thoughts, uh, tools, resources. I do resources as well that you use and it is like a live journal for you to be able to look back and reflect on. I think it's super powerful. And I think the other thing with newsletters is like you touched upon, you're learning along with people and there's something to be said there that really connects with a lot of people. How has that played into your journey? Has that kind of started to build a community for you? The, so on, on, on speaking online, you know, like in the Twitter sphere or mm-hmm. something, you know, just, just being in, getting started now and, you know, most of, the communities I'm in right now are uh, were from like you know previous friendships or people at school, people at from Deloitte. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm finding now with like programs like Launch MBA, you know where where we met, mm-hmm. um, opening myself to this whole another you know world with no coders and creators, yeah. uh, and uh, so kind of relying on on, on Launch MBA, some other you know starting to meet some people on Twitter, but like so, still get still getting started there. Um, but yeah, that's that's super important because I mean, no one else here on the at like board and stuff, like no one's really like aware of these no cool tools things. You know, like I talk about it and everyone's like, "What do you mean? Like that's crazy! Like I don't believe that or something." Or I'm constantly fighting with my co-founder that mm-hmm. uh, we don't need to code stuff. You know, he'll be like, "All right, like I can, we can, you know, eventually find this like engineer for this." And I was like, "Well, that's already taken care of, like by bubble or or something." You know, so right. Uh, but so being in a community that understands that world is, mm-hmm. has helped not be like a contrarian all day. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, it can be exhausting. So uh, definitely relying on that community. 
Yeah, I think that's really interesting. A lot of people that I talk with who have a corporate, either they're still in corporate or kind of in that corporate realm, yes, have the same story, right? That nobody knows no code exists. I find it very interesting because those of us who are in the middle of it and indie hacking, I think there's a, an assumption that that's such a small group of people. Um, and it is relative to the world, but it's just fascinating to me that once I step outside that Twitter bubble, people think we are just on this crazy journey and we're never going to make any money and we're always working eight jobs. It's very fascinating to me. I just, I, how has that been mentally for you to kind of like constantly have to make that switch between, you know, it, it, you touched on it a little bit of almost having to try and defend what you're doing to mm. the people who are more traditional in the sense in the path of like BC funding and engineering and that kind of thing. And you're like, no, no, <laughs> but we could live this other way. How does that, that help or yeah. What's kind of the mental struggle there? Yeah, no, I think, um, like I said, the, the, just the mental exhaustion of having to try to convince people about stuff all the time is, mm -hmm. is tough. Um, but you know, I'll credit like, you know, my, my childhood growing up, um, and like my time at university moving here is that's, you know, I've, I've always managed kind of different groups of friends because I'm a Latino and I have my Latino friends and I have like mm -hmm. my American friends. And so it's got there, you know, and now I have my MBA friends and Deloitte friends. And so that each one of those communities in a personal level, you know, I kind of have to switch yeah, um, for our interests or, or something like that. Um, so I think that's part of it. Um, I think the second part is, you know, just knowing that there's there's like the launch MBA community and stuff like that, that. Um, are there, you know, like we have the accountability buddies, uh, that's always helpful. So like every week, you know, having a conversation with someone who gets it, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, yeah. And then la the last thing is just, uh, um, I, I, I will say, yeah, it's an issue where, you know, like sharing my newsletter, most mm -hmm. people are these MBA students who like want to read it. They're like, Oh, you're starting a newsletter. Like, but I know that they're not my target audience, right. um, in a way. Some of them, some of them are interested in entrepreneurship, and others are just my friends. Mm -hmm. um, so, still having to draw a line where it's like, okay, I'm not gonna, you know, push my newsletter on these people that don't really want it, because um, you know, I'm, I may hypothetically have a thousand subscribers on the newsletter, but if none of them care about what I'm really saying, and they're all just like giving me a favor, the newsletter isn't really having its impact. So, yeah, yeah, I always found that really. Um just mentally exhausting, like you said, trying to tell people, no, no, there is another way. I can can have a life living this. It sounds like because your family has a history of entrepreneurship, that's probably a bit easier <laughs> to bridge that yeah. gap between family, which I know a lot of times is often a, a struggle for folks. Um, so that's good. I, I do feel I, that a lot of people have that struggle with like they're a different person with all their little friend groups. And I don't know how we fix that. I think that's it's hard as an individual to try and constantly be you know you're yourself but just a version of yourself and like each one of these spaces i don't know what are your thoughts on that you think there's a way we can kind of bridge that gap do we just need more accepting spaces i think i think it comes down to like and this is kind of at the core of of what i want my you know personal brand to be is is just this like authenticity mm -hmm. uh that yeah you know having to switch how you behave or, or act around some people is exhausting yeah. and like you know i in consulting, that's your job. You know, you have right. like with my Deloitte teammates, I can crack jokes and I can um, be super comfortable and be myself in a way, you know, but then as soon as the client walks in the door, I need to change my persona into this, right. uh, this actor of, of, of a way and to meet their needs. Um, so the MBA, I was like, okay, I want to go and just be myself, you know, for two years. Like I don't have, 
not really have to answer to anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big part of it. And like looking at the personal brand, you know, we talk about so there's so many creators out there. There's definitely people that are doing stuff that are similar to me. You know, some I might hate because they're like these hacky gurus, and mm-hmm. others I really respect. Um, but um, you know, just like living authentically and being okay. Hey, no apologies. This is who I am. If you don't like me, you don't have to sign up for my newsletter um, because you know that I've, there will be a group of people that like who I am mm-hmm. <laughs> for my content in that yeah. because of that over others. And so that's really going to be at the core of 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 uh, what I'm doing. You know, like it, it's like and it's helpful now. Like you know, like I'm starting this conversation before we start recording. I was like, hey, look, I haven't showered today. You know, like right, right. Sorry. I got the COVID vaccine, like I'm not feeling that great. Anyway, so like yeah. being able to share that versus like, could you imagine in a, in a professional setting I know. having to, my client like, hey, by the way, I, I can't crack that joke or I can't say that. Right, so, right. I, yeah. That's so, yes. And I, I felt that too. And it's it's really frustrating, the inability to be yourself, I think, in those more traditional professional settings. And it doesn't, everyone a disservice. We're all people at the end of the day. <laughs> Right. It was always ridiculous to me that like, yeah, I mean, I, you know, used to work in a hospital. So if a physician came in, you had to, you know, be all prim and proper and address yeah. them a certain way. I'm like, yeah, but they get dressed in the morning just like I do. So who gives a shit? Like, what, yeah. what is the big deal? Who are we trying to kid here? Um, yeah. yeah, I'm all about authenticity. I, I really like that. I'm completely transparent. You, what you see is what you get. So I'm always happy to meet with other people who are authentic um, and real about the fact that we have no idea what we're doing. We're figuring it out as we go along, but we're going to help each other get there. <laughs> right. There's no quick fix. The gurus that are offering the quick fix is always a big red flag to me. So yeah. <laughs> in this journey so far, so how far into your MBA are you? So I, I'm, I've almost completed one year, so I have an, I'll have another year. And, you know, I've already uh, been thinking about, you know, for the meantime, I might have to return to Deloitte if, if Welchrip isn't making, you know, enough money to sell up my salary and stuff. And yeah, uh, that's fine. You know, I think a lot of uh, there's also the stigma, I think, around being a part time, you know, indie hacker entrepreneur or something like that. There's people that are really successful while they have full time jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they I don't think they want to keep the full time jobs all the time. But yeah, for a, t- a period of time, you know, I think that's important. Um, so. Uh, I'm I have one year left. I'm already told like the way that, you know, I might want it's like a few more months after I graduate. Um, yeah. just I keep trying this entrepreneurship thing. Hypothetically, if if things go really well with it, they'll they could grant me a little more time to not, you know, give give back the, the sponsorship, but still, you know, pursue what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I, 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 you know, I've been reading a lot about like the career economy and everything. And, you know, there's Noah Kagan speaks of a, this rule of 100. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you have to create a hundred pieces of content in whatever like area you are, whether it's YouTube video or, or TikToks or newsletters before you should quit because you don't know when it's going to, you know, take off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of t- lines up with my, my timeline right now, you know, starting the newsletter now, um, a hundred, a hundred of those, if I'm doing them weekly, you know, it's almost two years. So like, I'm hoping that by the time I started to Lloyd again, or I have to return to a corporate job, um, just to pay off these loans. Um, that I've, I've had my hundred reps in and I'm making something off, off the newsletters and, and supplementing my income and whatnot. So. Yeah. I think that's really important. What you touched on right there are two things. One that you don't have to 
do this full time and not be successful. So many people, myself included, I like quit my job. I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that, but it makes it harder. If you don't have money, obviously you have a whole other stress level that you wouldn't have if you had a, a day job and it's going to take you longer. But what you just touched on, it takes you long, a long time anyway. And that's what I think yeah. is so frustrating about the gurus out there. Like in six right. months, you could be making a hundred grand. I'm like, oh, that's bullshit. No, you can't. Yep. <laughs> Maybe, maybe 0.01% of people do that. But yeah, like you said, I mean, two years, three years, 10 years, it's a year's process, not a month's process. So um, it's. That, sorry, Kurt, you have, like, that goes to like the idea of, uh, you know, this um, form of like identity. You know, I've realized that, you know, just like I had to switch my identity. Uh, when I was working at one point, I told myself, I was like, I'll never be an entrepreneur. Like, it's too risky. Mm-hmm. Like, I like the comfortable, comfortable. Like how comfortable I am here. Mm-hmm. I have great benefits. You know, it's a great job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And like I mentally, I wasn't an entrepreneur, and I made that switch towards the end, like right when I was applying to business school. Um, and now I'm kind of in that same crux, right? Where, you know, I've I need to change my identity to be also a creator. Yeah. <laughs> Someone puts myself out there. You know, like I haven't posted on my personal Instagram in three years, <laughs> right? <laughs> and now now I'm like, okay, I might I might have to start, you know, having this online presence. Yeah. Um, it's like life so like switching that mentality where like yes i'm a creator i'm an entrepreneur mm-hmm. even if i have a job even if I, have, I that's who i am and and that will help me i think more than anything stick through the process like through two years um because yeah there's no results at the beginning some right. people might leave but you know if i if i identify as a creator um i'm just going to be pushing out that content anyways so mm-hmm. yeah i think that's super important. And one thing I always touch upon is that I call this the the test of mental fortitude, because you really have to believe enough in yourself first every day and show up every day. And it is the hardest thing to just constantly remind yourself that you are this person you're becoming and just keep going because you don't see results and you do feel like you're screaming into the oblivion and that everybody else is doing it and is successful and it's never going to happen for you. And you just have to keep going and keep going and keep going. It's so hard. Um, and it's really, really, really scary to shift from corporate to creator and expose that side to people who have no idea that that's really who you are. So I'm, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are. Like, how are you going to start to make that shift? Did you keep the same Instagram account? Are you going to do a whole new account? What are you going to do there? Yeah, so I created new accounts on all the okay. all the social media brands. Like, even if I don't intend to post them in, anytime soon, just to have, like, the name reserved. You know, mm-hmm. there's no other Patrick Promos, likely. But, you know, <laughs> in case, um, I have my personal Instagram that's, like, for my friends. And mm-hmm. I still probably won't post on that ever, <laughs> I don't think. Yeah. but. On the other one, I think that's where I'll, you know, I've, uh, that's where I'll be, you know, exclusively talking like, business in some sense and and mm-hmm. stuff that are related to the brand. But it's interesting, New York, because like, you know, I, I just created Instagram, but I haven't, you know, posted anything there. I'm focusing on like Twitter and the newsletter mm-hmm. at the beginning. And, you know, I guess the algorithm has been pushing that account to some of my friends. So I'm getting followers every day, uh, you know, but and it, like I haven't posted anything there. It says zero posts, you know, but like. Um, every time someone follows you, you're like, damn, what are they going to think of me? You know, like this person, these people know me as mm-hmm. this consulting guy, whatever, like now they, you know, this, it's kind of like, oh, like I'm kind of embarrassed. That's, you know, like, I, I don't want to do that, you know, but like getting over that fear and just being like, yeah, like authentic, I'm trying to do this and, uh, yeah. we'll see where it goes. And, um, 
So it is definitely a weird feeling at the beginning, for sure. Yeah, I know. I, I always tell people, like, when I left corporate, they asked me what I was going to do. And I said, I don't know. I'll figure it out. I was terrified. I didn't want to post on LinkedIn. I didn't want to update anything. I was terrified to talk to anybody that I had this dream of, like, I'm going to become a freelance web designer. They're like, what do you mean? You're not a designer right now. I'm like, I know, but I will be. Like, what's the problem? I, <laughs> you know, um, and it, I still to this day don't post on LinkedIn. And I get people that follow me all the time, send me messages on there about web design. And I'm like, or, I don't know how this happens. I don't even post here. But it's, you know, I think just the, I don't know, power or scary portion of the internet that automatically okay. shows that to people. Um, yeah, I'm glad you touched on that because it is really scary. And I think we get so wrapped up in our job becoming our identity. And I try not to do that with this realm as well. Even though I do see myself as a creator, I'm trying to detach any kind of labels. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I don't know what your thoughts are on that. But I try and like, who is Sarah the person rather than who is Sarah as a, you know, what kind of, what does she do for a living? Yeah, that makes it like, so I was struggling with that for, for so long, right? Because I've already had thoughts of wanting to be a creator like last year, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I was just like, oh, what's your niche? Like, you know, you got to pick a niche and you got to choose what your brand is about. And, mm -hmm. you know, people like, ever, you know, some like online courses I purchased or, or, or different like articles on the internet, like they're all spoke about, like, you know, you should talk about stuff you know better than anyone, right? Because it makes sense, right? Like, yeah. What, what are the things I knew? Like, I knew how to do good resumes. I know how to, you know, make pitch decks. I know how to, like, <laughs> right. apply for MBA programs. So I easily could have, you know, chosen, oh, I'll be, like, you know, the MBA expert. I'll be that mm -hmm. guy, you know, and and talk about um, how to get into MBA programs and how you how you make your best time there and all that. But I realized I was, like, that's not who I am, like, you know, or that's not what I want to be known as either. Um, like, on the personal, right, like, Patrick's not that, you know? Right. So... Uh, it's it it didn't let me mentally start creating or anything or put myself out there for almost a whole year, right? Like yeah. at the beginning of the pandemic, I think this is when I was thinking about it. And now it's been it's literally been a year, and I'm just starting now mm -hmm. uh, because of that fear. And um, but I think that's why I was like, okay, what am I doing? Maybe not what I what can I do better than other people? There's definitely better no code experts and all that. But you know, I am building a business. I am trying this stuff. I am a student, mm -hmm. and I'm, I can write stuff. I can write and share content about that. Yeah, uh, on my my day to day life and what tools I'm using, what systems and stuff like that. And I thought that was like more authentic again to that point, mm -hmm. uh, and get off like where of this like label or I would have become some sort of label where it's like the NBA guy or or something like that, you know. So yeah, it's difficult because you know you have to set yourself apart in the market, and you do need a niche, and you need to have a target audience, and yet you try so hard to not become what it is that you're doing. I don't, I don't know the answer. I'm still trying to figure it out, but it took me almost a year. Well, actually it took me a good 14 months to shed that I, you know, was no longer in corporate. That was an entire process of like removing that whole identity. I had 20 years of only knowing corporate and being told no and stay in my lane and you can't do that. Um, so literally the world is your oyster and it's a big mental switch. So I, I have a lot of empathy for you for trying to be both of those things at the same time. Um, and everybody who's doing that because it, it is really difficult. And I think we don't talk enough about the mental toll that it takes and like how scary this really is for everybody that's going through it. Um, you know, folks, I think, it, I don't know. 
a lot of people think it's easy or think that we make it look easy, but social media is just the highlight reel. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So what would you say maybe is like your biggest failure so far in this journey? Do you have one? Maybe you don't have one yet because you're so new. I mean, the biggest failure obviously is not starting sooner, right? Imagine a year if I would start the newspaper back then, even if it sucked, you know, I would have understood the whole process better. Uh, I would have had a lot of feedback by then. Who knows how many like followers I would have or subscribers I would have. Um, so definitely just not, not start soon enough, right? They're, uh, I think that's the biggest problem with that. Like that might be everyone's biggest failure. Mm -hmm. uh, at one point in their life or another. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, in, outside of that, you know, I think, you know, my life has been a series of, of failures, which is over and over and over again. So I've gotten kind of used to that aspect. And I think that's why I was okay with moving to be an entrepreneur. Um, you know, like I never, I didn't get the job at Deloitte the first time I applied, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, even like with these applications, I had to take the standardized exam like the Jerry four times, <laughs> which is a lot. Like, it's a lot. Uh, yeah. Like it's, um, just constantly failing, like even like in high school, you know, like whether it be like with in sports or, you know, trying to talk to girls or something like that, small failures there. Like, the, you know, every day is just some sort of failure after another and then just getting comfortable like, hey, that's going to happen and, uh, and and move on to the next one. Um, it's hard because I, I do want to be perfectionist, you know, like the newsletter. I'm like, oh, like, is this perfect? Is the branding perfect? Like, is, or is the spacing correct? And I, I do think there is... Uh, it's important to be um, to have attention to detail, but like to the point where I'm like not posting anything, like it's right. good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I such a great lesson there. Um, we all suffer from the the fear and failure of getting started. It's really, really hard to put yourself out there and really hard to start. I think we don't give ourselves enough kind of credit that it is hard for everybody, and <laughs> you start when you're yeah. ready. <laughs> Right. It's just one of those things we all wish we would have started 10 years ago, especially in the creator economy. We'd be all the Gary V's, right? Just documenting yeah. our life, <laughs> making money at yard sales. Oh, anyway, don't get me started. Uh, yeah. So what would you say maybe has been the biggest lesson from some of that failure? Um, you know, yeah. Yeah. So aside from, you know, like understanding the mindset of, you know, being okay with failure and all that, it's, it really has been, you know, and this is to the point of why I want to speak in it to speak to it in my newsletters, like different systems and tools I've used, you know, to get over past those failures. Um, you know, like for systems, like for studying for like the GRE, I really had to set like extremely tight calendars going to work early. Um, I had to like start meditating more because like, you know, uh, people mm -hmm. that meditate actually score higher on these tests because they're, uh, I guess you might you're, you're, like everything. Meditation is just great. So, yeah. um, so creating a bunch of systems, um, some were productivity and others were just like, you know, how am I an Excel sheet where I capture every mistake I did on the test um, and, you know, reviewing that two the three different times later. Um, so creating systems and using different tools for that, uh, I think, is is how you get past stuff. You know, now for the creator thing, you know, I, um, one of the, the different obstacles, diff biggest obstacles I feel like I'm going to have is obviously just like maintaining the rhythm of posting content. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, live a pretty busy life already adding all this is gonna be tough but like you know understanding batching processes maybe i write a couple newsletters in one day so i have the rest of the month and i don't have to be scrambling every day you know understanding that process and that that's what people do like i think is uh definitely going to help me a lot and that's a system in a sense you know and there's different tools like uh 
um, to like capture information, organize ourselves, and you know, organize what I'm going to post on what days. Um, that is a, it's a very small window when I'm creating these processes. That I, it gives me kind of uh, hope and you know, security in the sense that you know, this will get done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm not being, I'm, I'm putting pen to paper in a sense, and and doing something about it, and hopefully these systems make it easier um, to act uh, in the future. Yeah. I think that's great advice and a great lesson. Systems and processes, automations are pretty much what has saved me this entire time because it is really difficult to constantly be putting out content. Uh, you know, 99% of it is unpaid unless you have a contract with somebody. And, you know, so to do all of that on top of a busy life that we have, everybody's got different things they're doing. Yes, systems and processes for sure. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. you have a lot you can share there. Um, I'm sure lots of folks would be interested to hear about the GREs too, because I know they're quite difficult to uh, to pass. Yeah, definitely. That was probably definitely the toughest thing I've ever done in my life, um, because you know, it's just the pressure of acting in that moment, um, studying so many different things. I've, I've never been the greatest math student. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like yeah, me getting done. <laughs> I mean, I, I you know, I just have to like really die. The MBA application process for me especially because of, of this test, really consumed pretty much every day of my life for a year. Um, and, you know, that meant when I was walking to work, um, back when we were still going to offices, I was like, you know, listening to podcasts of like, you know, different vocabulary words for GRE. And then like watching YouTube videos on how to do math problems. And just like that consumed every moment of my day. You know, yeah. I wasn't relaxing for a few seconds or, or working um, the job. You know, I was like, okay, what do I need to do for this test? What do I need to do for this application? I need to write my essay a few times. Uh, but I'm finding in a good way almost that I'm kind of reaching that same level of obsession again with mm-hmm. this creative process. Yeah. So, you know, like learning about what tools like you, you can use for your newsletter, understanding how batching works, studying different, you know, uh, people mm-hmm. I actually like. Uh, it, you know, if I'm not... You know, doing some MBA schoolwork, working on a well trip from the startup. You know, I'm I'm really I'm reading about the creator economy. So, mm-hmm. and I think that's it's giving me a little par- some, some sort of parallel. Um, I, I I definitely don't want to advocate for like you got to be obsessed and you know do nothing right. else but one thing. But you know, I'm, I'm finding that I'm personally interested in this, and that's why it's not so much of a chore. Or mm-hmm. I can't wait to like get back after finishing an activity or something, and that's like learn a little bit more. Or, you know, yeah. Try something, or um, and I think that's that's a good sign. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I I think that's so interesting. What you just that last sentence, right? You touched on like that. It doesn't feel like work, and it's something you look forward to doing. And that's what we're all seeking, whether that is in a traditional corporate setting or in this creator economy void that we're all in. Um, that's it. That's what everybody wants. And to me, the hardest part is saying no and disconnecting for a little bit because mm-hmm. I'm like, but I don't, it's not work to me. Like, you know, my husband will say to me, why are you still on the internet at 8.30 at night? I'm like, yeah, but there's this really cool article or did you see this Twitter thread or look at this new tool? And because it's fun, I end up having to <laughs> be yep. forced to step away, which is totally different than uh, something more traditional that I didn't enjoy. So I think, yeah, good lessons. What would you say would be the best piece of advice to give people who are thinking about entering into entrepreneurship? Uh, I guess I would just tell them that, hey, look, it's 
it is hard, right? But anyone can do it, and it's never been easier. I think, right? <laughs> Especially the no-no code tools and all this stuff. Yeah. It's it's never been easier to be an entrepreneur, and so there's almost no excuse to not be an entrepreneur in some sense, right? If I think everyone should have some sort of side hustle um, that they enjoy, right? Obviously not killing themselves, but right. have some sort of side hustle you enjoy. The internet um, and different technologies today are so amazing that it's it's again it's hard to be successful, but it's so easy to get started, and that's always the first part. Um, mm-hmm. I remember like seeing like one of my roommates in college uh, was learn I was taking a coding class, and he was like mm-hmm. learning websites and all this, right? And then I remember getting an ad for Webflow, but it didn't wasn't out then. Like this was like. Um, you know, 2015 or something. They had just like yep. some money. They were like, you won't have to know how to code and all this stuff. And I was like, damn, like this is pretty crazy, but it wasn't available yet. I signed up for like a wait list and all this. Um, but I was like, damn, imagine if you don't have to have code, you can, you mm-hmm. know, can have a whatever, like in, in two minutes, like uh, it's great. And I think that's kind of the goal of, of what I want to share through my personal brand um, uh, on this creative side is teaching people that, hey, it's super easy. Like if you want to create your own website, you can do a card today. Like yep. in minutes or something like that you can if you want a marketplace it's a little more complicated but like super easy like you also still do it in one day or something like that and obviously no guarantees of success with any idea but kind of like we said we're going to fail a lot so until mm-hmm. we find the idea that, that that works out for us and um so i think that's that's what it's never been easier to start um there's kind of like no excuse to not not do it now i feel yeah yeah, that's great advice. I think um, I do think everybody could have some version of entrepreneurship if that's what they aspire to do. I know there's a lot of folks who don't don't have any aspirations, but I like you. I'm like, oh, just give it a try. Need more than one income stream. Just dip yeah. your toes in. <laughs> You'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah, and I think that's where you know some people think like entrepreneurship. Like everyone here at school, um, there is an entrepreneurship. Some are cohort of people, right? And we mm-hmm. hang out a lot, but they all think they need to raise like three, four million dollars, like right. for their idea. Like they, it's for them. It's like if I don't raise this much money, I'm not create. Like I can't create a business. And I was like, no, like, like that's right. you. You could do the, obviously depending on the complexity of some stuff. Like um, there are different side hustles that are super easy to do. And if they're part of what you, uh, you're you're already interested in already, mm-hmm. uh, if it's a good hobby of yours or something like that. Like, and you know, yeah, you, you could get you could start something today. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I always think of entrepreneurship as simple as a paid newsletter. Like, grow your newsletter to eventually be paid. Gets a revenue stream. It's a business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be these big grand things um, yeah. that yeah, you just touched upon. Yeah, anyone can do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Man, we covered so much today. I would love to chat with you longer, but I know uh, probably the COVID vaccine effects are kicking in. <laughs> so, um, Tell me where folks can find you here on the interwebs to follow your journey. Yeah, so the best place is just patrickpromel.com. That's Patrick, P-R-O-M-M-E-L.com. Um, it's that same name across all the social medias. I might not have stuff on Instagram or stuff, but you could follow me if you want. But you can sign up for the newsletter uh, directly on the website. And if not, all my web, all my all the handles have a little sign up uh, link on them. So. Awesome. Yeah, I'll be sure to link that in the show notes as well so people can get access there. And uh, yeah, we can all subscribe and follow along with your story. We'll have to have you back on so that we can kind of like get updates and see how this journey is going. That'd be great. 
keep me accountable. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Patrick. It was great to chat with you today. And uh, yeah, can't wait to watch your journey unfold. Thank you so much. And that wraps up this week's show. Thank you to our guest for joining us, sharing your journey, your fails and lessons along the way. If you want to follow along in between episodes, you can catch me on Twitter at Sarah No Socks. And if you haven't already, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. It really does help the podcast. Until next time, bye.